Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Well, he is Scott White. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking some baseball with you. I've missed you over the last couple days. I really have. I'm uh, I'm great. Growing quite fond of you, Scott. I don't know. You have to say that the feeling is probably relatively mutual from your very nice tweet that I keep getting responses on, but I'm growing uh, quite fond of our conversations around baseball. Well, that's good. Yes, I I will extend the fondness the back your way. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that's. I mean, that was very heartfelt. I really appreciate that heartfelt uh, acceptance there. You know, what is fun? We had a fun conversation because... Uh, Scott's wearing a like a, a jersey or something, and it had 84 on it. And I was like, what baseball? I'm like, is this like an old Prince Fielder or something? And then you dropped me a Roddy White reference. And I was like, wow, yeah. we had a good football yeah. conversation off air. So I, I appreciate you bringing the Roddy White where I'm rocking uh, a little Boba Fett shirt from my buddies over uh, the R-Bar, uh, the rec room in San Francisco. A little uh, Mandalorian shout out for everybody that no one can see that I'm I'm literally holding my I shirt up for only for yeah. you, Scott. No just, one else is just watching. Just for me. <laughs> Lifting your shirt up for me. That's how far we've come. <laughs> That's where we're having a great relationship. But I hope every, everybody probably knows this. But Scott, very great takes. And, uh, you know, you expressed your love of Roddy White. So I just wanted everyone to know that you uh, Julio Jones wasn't your pick. We were talking about favorite players. It was Roddy White. Yeah. I, I think that says something about you. Yeah, if I, my all-time favorite Falcons list, I'd put Roddy White ahead of Julio Jones. I mean, hot takes. Yeah, I mean, look, Roddy White was great. Julio Jones is probably better, but I don't know. Yeah. It, I just I haven't developed the same personal affinity for him. It's it's totally subjective thing. Well, I mean, Terrence Mathis might be ahead of both. I don't know. It's like so. the CBS audience. Like, the CBS audience, like, your Julio is me to them. They're like, ah, I think I like Welsh. We're like, we're pretty sure we're into Welsh. We're not 100% sure. I'm trying to become your guys' Roddy White. So that's all I'm trying to do for everybody. Hopefully, I can be as good as your Roddy White, but we need not talk about any more football because baseball, especially people listening right now, are like, can you please stop it? I do have something for you. The hottest player in baseball right now-ish, I, I'm using it broadly. How about this? The hottest Pick up a bull. That's not a word. Player in baseball right now. Mark Canna with the Oakland A's. Three for four. I need to go check and make sure that he's still three for four. But he was three for four coming in. Only 41% owned coming into the Monday games. On a 10-game hitting streak now. Four straight multi-hit games. 370 with five homers coming into Monday in just August. And, Scott, he was the most viewed player today of any of all the players Everybody is starting to get on the Mark Canna um, hype train. And I feel like you know, we've been talking so much about Willie Calhoun and what a must pickup he is right now. What do you think about Canna? Well, there are a few reasons probably that he was, uh, you said, the most viewed on CBS. Yes. One is that viewed. he was coming off a two homer game. The other is that he was number two in my top sleeper hitters for this week. Number two behind only... Willie Calhoun. Oh, so, so this was your doing. By the way, three for five maybe. as this game. We got a couple games going on right now. It's in the eighth. The A's are just demolishing the Royals right now. And uh, Mark is a part of that. Three for five, two runs, and uh, he's doing his work. Okay, so you had Here, a bit well, to do with this. 
I, I got a, I got a little more to say. Yes, please. If you let me. Please. If you let me. It's a light day, right? Um, Canna has started every game but one since July seventh. I think that's what gets overlooked with him. People, you know, he has this reputation as a platoon guy. He's been playing every day, oftentimes in center field for the Athletics, and he entered today before these three hits. You know, dating back to July 7th, batting 322 with a 1,003 OPS during that stretch. 10 homers. He gets on base a lot. Yeah, clearly has power. It's uh, it's time to get on the Canna bandwagon. Or is it too late? Well, 41% owned. I do think we still. Ha- I think we still have enough. To- I mean, the percentages tell us, but we we know oh, a you- lot of people are going to be in a space where this might not be a possibility. But I think this is a must. If he is out there, kind of what you're saying right now, we got to get on the bandwagon. How much mm-hmm. of a must own player is he for the people that happen to be lucky enough to uh, be able to pick him up? I mean, he's less than must own. He is. Uh, obviously, we just laid out some very impressive numbers, and it's worth. Noting he's not as good as that. Uh, I, I think probably his season line is a little more reflective of his abilities, and some of the expected stats would suggest that those are too high. Also, so two seventy five you know, average. I think it's the same way we were excited about Mike Talkman a couple weeks ago. We should be excited about Cannon now. Maybe his ownership should get up to like seventy percent. Uh, that's. That's probably how good I think he is. Willie Calhoun or Canna, rest of season? I have more faith in Calhoun being an impact player for the rest of the season. It's uh, in, in Canna's case, it's more baffling that he could be this good for this long and still be so widely overlooked. Yeah, well, well, I feel like that is a conversation we all have a whole lot, and I'm guilty of it, where we go, man, this guy has been way too good for this long. This has to come down. It doesn't have to. I mean, Canna has been lights out. I said... F- Four straight games of multi-hit. Five of the last six have been multi-hit. The ownership percentage has to go up. One more for you. Well, actually, two more. Canna or Chris Davis, his teammate? I would roll the dice on Canna at this point. Me too. It's hard to find anything redeeming about Chris Davis. And uh, the fact that he's DH only makes him a very difficult fit in most lineups. He was able to find a couple hits in this route that the A's have had on the Royals, but uh, no homers, still only hitting 218 on the season. So I'm with you. I'm with uh, I'm with Canna over Chris Davis. How about this other guy? Uh, since we're just talking about some hot pickups, I'd say this might be number two. How about Freddie Galvis? Only 44% owned, hit his 22nd homer on Monday, hitting 381 coming into Monday with the Reds. This was his fourth red home run. So what do you think uh, when we're talking about Freddie Galvis here? A red home run. Yes. It's interesting how yeah, that red came home. out. Red home. I don't know what that means. But it anyway. Mean it. It, we can play the color game if we want. Maybe maybe that'll be baseball's future into making the game even more exciting. The further they go, maybe they could ch- change colors. Maybe the baseball can be like a, uh, a mood ring. As it flies through the air, as hard as it's hit, it changes colors. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> somebody, definitely somebody quicker on their feet than I am would have done something better with that. But... Anyway, yeah, uh, Galvis was actually 10th on my top 10 sleeper hitters for this week, so he's off to a nice start, too. A lot of that had to do with the fact that Reds are playing eight games, and it's basically just a hot hand situation for him. I think we have a pretty good idea who Freddie Galvis is. He is a middle infielder with decent pop, but pop is everywhere. 
uh, really doesn't contribute much beyond that and, uh, you know, doesn't get on base. Just really just a fill-in. That's that's all he's good for. And he's good for that right now, but it's not anything that's you're going to rely on rest of season. What do you think the ownership percentage issue is then? I mean, Galvis coming into Monday is 3% more owned than Canna. And Canna, I understand, was the highest viewed. And we both, you know, we're smart enough to realize that those numbers are probably going to dramatically change here. But, I mean, what do you think the different the differential is then that Galvis coming into this, you know, game where Canna, you know, a couple more hits, continues to streak. Why is he more owned than Canna? Is it, uh, Galvis at least, is it a need for middle infield? Is it a need for uh, shortstop homers replacing guys like Correa? Well, why do you think that is? I would guess not. My my honest guess would be, and I'm pulling up... Um, and while you're doing that, by the way, the only reason I'm, I'm asking the question, if people are wondering why I'm digging into this, it's just... Canna, the conversation we just had about Canna was like, yes, he's not a must own, but this needs to be 60 to 70%. And Galvis was much more like, yeah, this is, you know, not super interest. We'll see where it goes if it's a big need. Like, Galvis is owned more than Canna, yet the conversation you gave around both players seemed very, very different in your excitement of them. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I think it's just because Galvis has a built-in ownership base because he was hot early in the season too. It got up to about where it is now. It never dropped below like 25% when, uh, you know, just two weeks, just last week, Canada got up up to 25% for the first time. So I think that's all there is to it is just the timing and uh, the level of interest at this part of the year versus early on. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the world should know, Canna, probably the hottest bat out there right now. Quick pickups. Galvis, he's going to do you good. He's been great as a red. Probably not going to have the same ownership jump as a guy like Canna, but those two, two of the hottest pickups that are probably available for you. Uh, we got a lot to cover in the episode. Like I said, there are some games that are in progress. There's some trending news, news notes, and injuries, but the injury I thought that was most important. We should have jumped right at the top of the episode. And I would have done it if Canna wasn't so hot. His Rockies are placing Herman Marquez on the 10-day IL, retroactive of August 23rd with right arm inflammation. More importantly, could be shut down for the season. Yeah, and uh, that's obviously disappointing. Well, is it obvious? Because I just put a question mark on the end. <laughs> He'd been pretty Robert. frustrating, right? I mean, you got, he had the home away thing going on, and I guess we could bank on that at least. Uh, but overall, pretty frustrating. His velocity was down a couple miles per hour in his last start. Uh, not a couple miles per hour down from his previous season low, but from, you know, the the stretch of starts he had been on. So, you know, maybe that was evidence of him feeling some fatigue. Uh, the splits are still yeah. incredible, by the way. Three, six, seven away ERA this year in 100 innings and a 6.26 and 73 at home. Just absolutely obliterated. And I mean, I, I, you know, we were talking about the two start thing. I didn't even want to get down with Marquez, frankly, if I have to deal with any home starts at this point, which has always made him a little bit of a problem. So really the only thing I, I suppose to take away from this outside of the Rockies are losing pitchers left and right. They keep shutting down starters, even though we haven't got the full go. There are reports out there right now that the Rockies are considering shutting Marquez down for the season. It's only a 10 day IL stint. Are you comfortable cutting bait, even though we don't have a definitive outside of could be shut down? Are you comfortable cutting bait at this point? I'd rather not. I, I always like to be sure, especially when it's a rare commodity like a, like a starting pitcher. 
who is, you know, at least halfway useful. Um, but if, if, you know, my IL spots were full with guys I didn't feel like I could drop and I didn't feel like I could afford the bench spot on Marquez, I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. My assumption is he's going to be shut down for the season because why not? I mean, it, basically any non-contender, they have a pitcher who gives them an excuse to shut him down. They usually shut him down. And I probably would do if I was running the organization. You got to protect those those assets. Um, so I expect him to get shut down. But, you know, just that 10% chance that he isn't, I'd rather not have to drop him. Okay. I mean, and and fair enough. I think would it be fair to say that if you were to go out and see a pitcher of uh, you know decent ilk like we've been talking about Haney, how about this one? I'm going to jump a little bit. What about a guy like Dustin May? You know, as we're recording this right now, Dustin May. I can't jinx it because you guys are listening into the future, time travelers. You already know what happened, but Dustin May is rocking a uh, I think a perfect game at this point into the fourth. I think he's only gone three, but three perfect innings, a strikeout, no walk, so that is perfect. Duh, but. He'll mm-hmm. probably not make it through. You and I were talking about this. We can't imagine he'd even go past the six because of the relief to um, uh, the relief to starter thing. But Roberts has said that Dustin May is going to get another start. It's going to be in Arizona. He's about seventy four percent owned right now. So I mean, what do you think if you had Marquez and Dustin May was sitting out there because people were really weird about dropping him because of the relief stuff? Would you be comfortable with it? Would you drop him for May at least? Uh, a hypothetical scenario where May starting the rest of the season, maybe. But the report I read is that, yes, May will start again on Sunday, and then he's expected to go to the bullpen after that. And that, I mean, that, even if a new opening emerges between now and then, like, just the 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 fact that they're, like, shifting him back and forth, I, I think he's going to be, like, a four-inning guy. The rest of the way, regardless of what role it's in, probably like working three or four innings at a time and really not providing much use in fantasy. Now, maybe somebody who's, uh, well, I guess about the same ownership as, as May, Mike Fultonevich, who I think has looked pretty good since coming from the minors overall. The, his start Friday, I think it was, was his first really good start in terms of the results, but... I feel like the stuff has looked better and he's looked more comfortable with the slider and I'm willing to roll him, run him out there again. Um, you know, if push came to shove, I'd drop Marquez for him. Okay. I, I, I still think there's probably somebody lower I could drop, but maybe not. I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of people listening play in shallower leagues than any of mine. Uh, I think there's a tendency for everyone in the industry to skew deeper when most people play shallower. And I, I get I, so I think, excited, by I, the way. I get so excited when I'm playing like a 12-team league. I play in so many 16. When I look at a 12-team, it's like walking into the the chocolate factory. Willy Wonka's chocolate. I'm like, look at all of these players. All these <laughs> players are for me to stream and pick up. It's amazing. And you know, the thing is, and this is, I know, a point of contention. I Assuming it's a 12-team league where everybody's active, which the shallower league you play in, probably the less like there's max activity just for reasons that are probably interrelated. Um, but it, assuming everybody's playing with equal intensity, I feel like, I feel like it's more rewarding in terms of your actions impacting the result. I feel like in deeper leagues, there's an element of luck that can't be avoided just because the deeper you go, 
the the less likely you are to find a worthwhile replacement on the waiver wire when something goes wrong. And I mean, a lot of times something goes wrong in, in like a luck way, injury. You know, if somebody gets injured, your big player gets injured. I mean, nothing like that is going to emerge on the waiver wire. I see what you're saying. The, the, the playing field is leveled a little bit when in a 12-man. Like, everybody's got a little bit better rosters. Like, one pickup might not necessarily put, you know, a team over like it might in a 16-team. I, I get what you're saying. There's a, That's actually an interesting psychological, like, is it more reward, rewarding to play in 12? I do tend to—I play—actually, my long-term league has always been a 12 league, and it's actually— kind of been the one I've been locked into the most, and I predominantly play 16, so there is something to that. And all those beautiful yeah. players I get to pick up all the time, which I get all right. excited about. So, um, yeah. How about a couple of Monday standouts real quick? I got one for you while you're picking yours together. I am just continuously thoroughly impressed with Brian Reynolds with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. 84% ownership right now, six-game hitting streak, three straight multi-hit games. He's hitting f- 341 coming into Monday. He is battling for a batting title right now. He is in the qualifications. The guys above him, you've got Michael Brantley, Jeff McNeil, DJ LeMayhew, and I believe he is tied with Yelich and Rendon, though he has absolutely the highest BABIP of any player, a 404 BABIP, which is about almost 20 points higher than the next qualified player, which is David Dahl. Regardless, I saw Brian Reynolds in the AFL recently. He looked so bad. Will Craig, who's a Pittsburgh Pirate prospect, looked way better than him, just hitting bombs. Reynolds wasn't making contact, wasn't lifting the ball whatsoever, and I kind of got out on him. Next thing you know it, he's up. He's making every bit of his opportunity count. He's making good contact. He looks like the prospect when he was with the San Francisco Giants, who was near the top of lists in like 2016. So I just wanted to say, you know, Brian Reynolds, we don't have to have it here. I think he's a fascinating case in conversation for 2020 because what he's done this season to me has been nothing short of amazing. And if he's going to take those bat to ball skills and he's going to start to progress and start to make, uh, or yeah, progress and make some adjustments, this could be a guy, I mean, I don't I don't want to put a Yelich type of thing on him, but if you start making the right adjustments with that type of contact, you could be putting up some serious power if he can find it. So I'm just mm. thoroughly impressed with Brian Reynolds. Yeah, I was curious. I was looking up as you were talking about him. He basically became an everyday player on, uh, uh, I, I think of it as more when Corey Dickerson got traded, but it actually came a little before that. It's June 27th uh, is what it looks like in the game log. And since then, he's batting 294. With an 867 OPS, and that's with a 364 BABIP, so still a high BABIP, yeah. but not over 400. And look, he profiles as a high BABIP guy. He high line drive rate, high hard hit rate, uh, goes the other way a lot. Mid-300s BABIP might be something he can sustain. Uh, his XBA on the season is 297, so that's right around 294 during that stretch as a full-timer. And that's probably closer to who he is, uh, to the player he is. It still looks like a pretty good one. He is two uh, for two for five, two for that, and that was a big thing I forgot to even mention. Two for five here on Monday, which led to the four straight multi hits. Only thirteen homers to go with fifty four RBIs, but this is just one of those guys with those contact skills. If he can find those adjustments, puts on more body mass. Next yeah. thing you know, it he goes from fifteen homers, almost winning a batting title, to a guy that maybe brings his average down closer to three hundred, but maybe he's hitting twenty eight of them or thirty and becomes a hundred hundred run and RBI guy. I mean, it's lofty stuff we're talking about here because the BABIP is really inflated, 
but a super right. impressive player, and it just jumped to my mind seeing the Monday performance. I will, I will take the bat skills guy adding power <laughs> as opposed to the power guy adding bat skills, Agreed. you know, which is probably true in any era, but never more so than this one. Yeah, exactly. What about you? You got a Monday, uh, Monday standout? Yeah, for the wrong reasons, I am going to call Reese Hoskins my Monday standout. He went 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Hmm. And I feel like we had just gotten so comfortable with Reese Hoskins that we hadn't really noticed or at least haven't discussed just how long he has been absolutely abysmal. Um, I'm trying to even find a good starting point for it. It was basically <laughs> early May. I mean, he's like a 200 hitter since early May. For the season, his batting average is down around, uh, let's see, it's 233. And I, it's he's so, like, fly ball oriented that he, he's not, like, he pro, he's like a low BABIP guy. You know, he profiles for low BABIP. It, it lowers his batting average ceiling tremendously. And we've always known that about him, but it, it's it's like fall drop it's fallen to a new low now. Like his XBA is 219. It's it's one of the worst 10 in baseball. And uh I think in this environment, you know, he walks a lot, which helps, but a power hitter who doesn't you know who doesn't really provide anything in the way of batting average and is going to have these extended slumps. I mean, how valuable is he really? Is he the elite player? I assume most people still think of him as being. I think it's interesting because also he's one of those guys. He's super inflated this year by the OBP. I think a lot of people play the six by six or they're replacing OBP with average and he's getting more of a pass, but he's becoming more Joey Gallo and Joey Gallo is becoming more Reese Hoskins at this point, which is, <laughs> you know, odd turnarounds here. No, I think that's a good one. I think it's a good conversation piece because I've still seen a lot of defenders out there and there should be more conversation about this is not the player that we ever thought he was. But again, OBP, you get a pass. Let's go hit a break real quick right here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, we will see if any of those in-game in game or progress uh, games in progress are of a note. And then we've got a bunch of news, notes, injuries, pitchers, hitters, all that stuff to get to. So a little break here, Fantasy Baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, Scott, nothing of note for us to hit outside of that, that the perfect game is over. I just, I wanted you to know the perfect game is officially <laughs> over. I'm sorry, I jinxed I love, it. I love perfect game, no hit updates. Like, get through seven, you know? I yeah. think seven, <laughs> maybe six, but like, how many hitter, how many pitchers have gotten pulled with a no hitter in the sixth inning this year? And I, I feel like that's, that's like a non-story itself these days. Like, I just look in the box score. Oh, the guy had... A no hitter going. Oh, probably it's not more. Not really a headline anymore. Actually, probably more guys pulled in the six with a no hitter than actual no hitters pitched this season. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's got to be accurate, sure. right? How about this one, real quick? Speaking of the games that are in progress, the Diamondbacks and Giants. Uh, Diamondbacks are up three to one, bottom of the six right now. 
And I just I continuously am crazily impressed with Alex Young. He's one of those just one of those players that defies any expectation, at least I had for him, but also Tyler Beatty. So Alex Young versus Tyler Beatty. Young went five and one third as we are uh, talking right now. Walk two, four strikeouts. He's now sporting about a three and a half ERA on the year. Really impressive. Tyler Beatty, five and two thirds. He's out of the game. Six hits, one earned run, four strikeouts, no walks. Beatty, Young. Who do you got to own? I mean, Young, I think, is more owned here. Or maybe the better question is, is either worth holding through the rest of the year, or is are they both extreme streaming pitchers? I'm going to say extreme streamers at best. And Beatty, I mean, he hasn't given us reason to look into him in probably over a month. I mean, his last, his previous six starts are just, just a miserable stretch. Uh, and, uh, like, he's... I don't know. He's he's annoying because I I feel like there's potential in there. Throws hard, former first round pick, uh, and he's just had so many arsenal changes over the course of his minor league career. He never really could get a firm footing. Was pretty good at AAA this year. Thought maybe he was discovering something, but he's been wildly inconsistent and mostly bad. In but the what majors, about so. but what about Alex Young? I mean, a, yeah. bit, a bit dismissive when he's pushed over 50 innings with a three and a half ERA on the year. I mean, nothing he does is overtly impressive, but he does have five right. wins right now. He's not a big strikeout pitcher, but he's going deeper into games and he's he's maintaining. I mean, after this game, he'll have a sub uh, a sub four whip or I'm sorry, a sub four ERA. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to last. I I feel like he's. My my guess for him is he's getting by on a gimmick. His slider is his most thrown pitch, and it's been basically since he got called up, and that's an oddity. You know, uh, breaking balls are harder to get hit than fastballs, but he had a 6.09 ERA at AAA. Difficult environment to pitch, but still. I mean, 5.17 ERA in the minors last year. Uh, doesn't have impressive stuff. By the look of it, so it it just it just looks to me like one of these atypical pitchers who catches the league by surprise at first, but it's it's going to unravel. I I, I really don't have much reason to believe otherwise. Okay, uh, trending. What's going on? News, notes, injuries. Mike Mustakis. He left the game today, or at least on Monday. Left the game with a left with re- left wrist soreness and some pain. And I'm looking here, and it looks like X-rays have already been done, and they came back negative. So you can. Probably day-to-day, miss a game or two, a little bit of a sigh of relief. You might have dodged one. Scott Kingry, abdominal soreness. He was uh, taken out of the game. That is a little bit unfortunate, but also it doesn't look like, at least at this point, it's going to be a major thing, though we are waiting for some results. But here is a bigger one. Giancarlo Stanton could take batting practice on Tuesday. I could also lose 50 pounds by the end of the year. So what do you think, Scott? (laughs) <laughs> I think <laughs> which is more likely I lose 50 pounds or Stanton goes on the practice field. And just remember, I complimented you very nicely at the beginning of this episode. Well, how hard are you trying to lose 50 pounds? I mean, is this a goal of yours. It, it's uh, it, it, sure. It, it is a goal for sure. The way I weigh right now, 50, getting the 50 pounds off. It's not that hard. Probably. If I commit, <laughs> I think I think I got a better chance than Giancarlo Stanton actually getting back on the field. I hold no hopes. Okay. I hold yeah. no hopes on Stanton the rest of the year, even if he comes back for a short stint. I don't feel positive about it, but I know I think every Scott in my life feels different about Stanton. How many Scots are in your life? Enough, enough Scots, enough I that just, I do podcasts with. I was just noticing I'm in like 
you know, I'm in a couple leagues where there's like three, four other Scots with me. And I'm like, what in the world? I, I've never met this many Scots in my life. And I think when we were naming, we were going through the the baby names, you know, name, thinking about what we're going to name our, our two boys. You know, I just get curious and start looking up names. And Scott is a very untrendy name right now. It's like 400 something. But are they all about, but okay, but that's now though. Like are all yeah, the Scots yeah. the same age? Are you guys yeah. all in the same no, range? I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't when, you know, in the eighties. Yeah, so but early eighties, Scott was was popping. Pretty soon, Scott is going to be like, you know, it's it's going to be expiring. It's going to be like, I don't know, Mildred. Mildred, sure. Yeah, Mildred. Sure. Okay. I kind of agree that I, I, I mean, I expect him to take batting practice Tuesday, and I think he's going to come back, but I'm not sure he's going to have enough time to win me back. Uh, outside of like a, you know, five outfielder, fifteen team league, you're probably activating him as soon as he comes back. But anything shallower than that, you're going to want to see some production first and feel confident he's not going to go down with something else. Yeah, exactly. Well, so everybody be on the lookout for that. We'll obviously be reporting as we get stuff if he actually gets out there. Uh, another piece of news. This is the prospect one. It's just it's just a dominant piece of conversation here, but. According to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, the Dodgers are considering promoting Gavin Lux in September. So as the wheel turns here, every other day it's a different story with Gavin Lux, though he's just been a beast. He's been better in AAA, though it's a PCL, than AA. He's hitting 407 in 44 games in AAA, 12 homers, 18 doubles, 4 triples, 31 to 39 walk-to-strikeout ratio, even throw a couple stolen bases in there. He has been an absolute man on a mission. He has worked at second base a bit with the Dodgers. And, you know, I kind of thought they might hold him back. It seems like, you know, it looked like a collective plan, almost like what the White Sox want to do with Luis Robert. But, I mean, you got to be uh, cloud nine right now because Gavin Lux looks <laughs> like he is to the majors in September, at least according to reports. Well, considering, I mean, that's such a, that's a cowardly report, Ken Rosenthal. Come on, considering. Of course the Dodgers are considering it. I don't know. I don't know if this changes the likelihood of it. I really don't know. Where's your percentage I, on him? Um, I think it's 50-50. I think. It's, I agree with you still. Maybe that's a cop out, but I, you know, I, I think it's a genuine toss up. I, cause I, he makes them, he would make them better. I think. You know, there's a chance he's just overmatched and not ready and he moved quickly and is young and, you know, who knows? Okay. Oh, so follow but, me on this. Okay. Follow me on this. September 1st hits. Gavin Lux gets called up and he's going to play regularly for the Dodgers. Giancarlo Stanton has not got into any major hitting programs outside of hitting, you know, just like he's going to do, you know, hitting some batting practice on Tuesday. Gavin Lux is up. You have to drop yes. Stanton to get Lux. You do it? Yes. Okay. I would find a way to pick up Lux, I think, in any league. I, I, I mean, he is he is really impressive. Just, like, the bat speed, the way he whips the bat through the zone. I mean, my goodness. Like, he just looks so impressive when he's hitting beyond just the numbers. And I have a hard time believing, you know, ob you obviously got to allow for the possibility because I thought Aloy Jimenez was going to be a huge success right away. And that hasn't happened. I'm Vladimir Guerrero hasn't been a huge success right away. Though he's been a, you know, he's he's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think Gavin Lux, that's the kind of prospect. If he gets called up, you find a way to get him on your roster by whatever means necessary. 
And I think it makes a lot of sense for them at least to try him out as their everyday second baseman in September with very little to lose. I mean, they're running away with the division, probably going to win best record pretty easily. Why not? And, you know, if it doesn't work out, then you obviously know what to do in the playoffs. But if it does, he might be the piece that puts them over the top. And you'd hope at some point we're going to get out of the whole service time thing. Like, that's just something the Dodgers don't need to worry about. Uh, and for everybody to realize, only 40% owned in CVS right now is Gavin Luck. So maybe preemptively get on it. Uh, the Phillies, they activated Bryce Harper from the paternity leave list. He went out and dropped his 28th homer on Monday. That's good. Adalberto Mondesi is expected to be activated from the IL on Sunday. So it looks like we're going to get him back here. Uh, Mondesi, nearly a week into the rehab, he had gone uh, three for 17 over five games, though. I thought that was interesting of note. And then finally, the Marlins activated Pablo Lopez from the 10-day IL. Did not have a great line, though, on Monday. Went five, gave up five hits, four earned run, three strikeouts, 86 pitches in, 53 for strikes. But we were never, Pablo Lopez had never been more than just a extreme streamer, if you will. Does that sound about right? Uh, I, th- I think you're underselling him a bit. He was looking pretty impressive leading up to the shoulder injury. And, uh, you know, I, I know Chris Towers especially is very high on him. He's a Marlins fan, but, you know, he's the sort of fan who thinks everything his team does is bad. So, um. Yeah, I, I mean, his, he has a good changeup. They were letting him pitch deep into games. I, I think basically my takeaways from this for Lopez uh, were that his velocity looked the same as before the injury. Coming off a shoulder issue, that's a very good sign. Uh, he had 10 swinging strikes, was on 86 pitches. This is a decent enough number. You know, this is shaping up to be a two-start week, so the next one of the... He might only have one more of those left, but... Uh, if you're Washington. hurting for pitching, I I think he's I think he's a reasonable pickup. Washington though. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, probably I probably want to run him out there for that start. Now, okay. I was thinking more of two start week in like a weekly context. I got you have him, you have him stashed away, and I don't know what his matchups look like the rest of the way. I imagine he'll have a decent one at some point. I would rather have Sandy Alcantara over Pablo Lopez rest of the year, but I don't think you agree. No. Okay. No. <laughs> That's okay. We can agree to disagree, but Alcantara has been pretty dang good lately. Uh, let's hit a quick break right here on Fantasy Baseball today. Coming back, a little bit of emails. we got to talk about everything else that's going on here on the Monday slate of games. So Fantasy Baseball today, right back at you. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Mike emails. Scott, hi guys. I often give Scott flack on his rank. He says a flack, by the way, but I'm going to say flack. Often give Scott flack on his rankings, but wanted to give some love for his number one ranking of Rendon in the third base ranks. I feel like this guy gets slept on every single year, even though he is as good as anyone in the league on a per-game basis. I've seen some other early 2020 rankings, and he's sometimes down in the third round when he should definitely be right there with Arenado and Bregman. He's uh, routinely behind Devers, who's been great, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well done giving an underrated guy the love he deserves. Also, Rendon is a free agent. Is there any place you would prefer him to land, or does it not matter at all for a stud of his caliber? So this is almost a, where is he 2020, and does his landing spot truly matter for you? I don't want him to go to San Francisco. I think of the teams that could reasonably make a play for what what's probably going to be the top free agent this offseason. Right? Is there anybody? That's uh, Bumgarner, Wheeler, but I, I think Rendon would be above those guys. Well, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole might be. Oh yeah, at the top. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Cole's probably going to be one, then Rendon too. But yeah, I, you know, uh, otherwise I don't think it. I I think the places he would go would be more likely to improve his uh, his standing than lower it. And yeah, I. He's really he's taken a step forward this year in terms of power production and he's always been a great on base guy. You know, last year he was actually in terms of head to head points per game, obviously that's being on base guy, that's his better format of the standard ones on our site. Um he was actually ahead of Nolan Arenado head to head points per game last year, number one at the position, and distant number one this year, obviously, with the improved power. I don't know that I c- I'm going to be able to justify ranking him number one at third base going into next season. Uh, but I imagine he will be with somebody I have a lot of shares in because obviously he's proven he can be that good. I think it's, I think third round is probably a reasonable point to expect him to go, maybe late second. Yeah, that's probably pushing it. By the way, um, from Elias Sports, Nolan Arenado. This was, I think this happened yesterday or early today. Nolan Arenado became the first third baseman in MLB history with 30 or more home runs and 100 or more RBIs in five consecutive seasons. I read that and I went, what? In history? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's a good time in history to be setting records, obviously. But True. that's that's always my thing with Nolan Arenado. Uh there, there's a good chance he's not going to be the number one third baseman this year or next year or any year, but he's just always exactly what he is. And there is no, like, it, it's kind of like Trout, but on a, you know, half a step back from that. It's very profound, by the way. That'd be like his new player's <laughs> jersey is what he is. 
I, that's a, like is what it is is what he is has become such a or is what it is has become such a cliche and people everybody hate hates that it, cliche i'm sick. Oh, it doesn't mean anything i swear to you the first time i heard it it was like my mind was blown at how <laughs> profound of a statement that was i thought it was the coolest thing i'd ever heard and that hasn't totally diminished, even though everybody tries to ruin it. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm 100 with you, actually. Like all anybody wants to do is just crush that as just an absolute crutch of a statement. It's like I don't know. Sometimes yeah. it is what it is, guys. I it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. Get over yourselves, yeah. please. Yeah, it is what it is. It is it's what it is. It's not anything more. It's not anything less. It's exactly what it is. I like it. Um, one more for 2020, just because it's on it's on my mind. But the only reason I'm also doing it is because I was looking over just the absolute mud stomping that the A's are doing. As we're doing this bottom of the ninth, the beating is almost over. 19 to 3, the A's are up on the Royals. But Marcus Simeon is walking away with his 23rd homer. He had seven RBIs. I mean, the performance he had justifiably should have been probably a little bit closer to the top of the episode. But uh, seven RBIs is coming off of a seven-game hitting streak. He hit three homers in that streak completely back at it for 2020 Marcus Simeon who's going out or Paul DeYoung who was one for two two runs three RBIs and hit his 24th homer it's not even close it's Simeon okay good I just it's wanted to make sure because there's a DeYoung camp out there that I think would crush this is like well it's close but DeYoung I'm with you that it's not even close it's Simeon yeah I mean Simeon uh, he gets on pace so much more than DeYoung. He strikes out less. It it just makes for a much higher floor. And I don't think the power ceiling is, you know, I, I, I think this year has proven it's not dissimilar. I mean. What do you think the high range of Simeon is next year? Like a top 125? I don't want to say top 100 because I don't, we're not there. But top 150, top 125 overall player? 125 always seems like that range where people are like, all right, I got my core. Now I'm building into some of these players that I think are ready to, you know, these are my sleepers. These are my uh, my secondary core, the team I'm going to build around. These must have guys. And I feel like that's that 125 range that Simeon could be in. Well, I, I want to see what he is right now because I, I have a feeling it would shock people. It oh, will shock you. Okay. If you're talking 125. Are you, ta- are you doing points? I am not, though that I wanted to look up five by five because I I, I think it stands to reason that uh, that, yeah, uh, that Simeon would be more valuable in points. And I knew how, you know, awesome he's been in there. So I'll give that one first points leagues because he's such a good plate discipline guy, Marcus Simeon. And understand, though, he's always been a good plate discipline guy. He's never had a year where he's been this. So it's three point four two. Head-to-head points per game, which puts him in terms of per-game production between Carlos Correa and Glaber Torres for the year among shortstops. Boy, I wanted to ask a Simeon versus Correa, like, based on their rounds. But all right, keep going. So obviously, we're talking elite production in that format. Uh, I don't—I've never come up with a good way to do per-game production— in roto or five by five categories which is why i don't cite it as often um so you know obviously the fact he stayed healthy plays into this but simeon's 54th overall so do you think he touches top 100 player overall next year easy i mean i get what he's doing this year but 
Um, I mean, 96% owned, I believe, in CBS, 87% start rate, by the way, which maybe there's some deadness to that because he should be 100% out there. But I don't know. I mean, a hundredth is like where Reese Hoskins is. Ooh, Hoskins or Simeon next year? I, I, I feel like I should say Hoskins, right? But. <laughs> no, I, I want you to say Simeon. That's what I want to do. So, no, All right. It was a good that. conversation around it. Incredible performance on Monday night. Seven RBIs as the uh, A's kind of completely went crazy. Somebody asked us a little while back, hey, this is the Josh Van meter o meter Well, how about some deep hit, uh, deeper hitting ads out there? And how about Josh Van meter who's 36% owned? He was the third most viewed player on Monday, and he had a couple hits in the Monday game. Tommy Edmond, three for six, hitting 305 into August, coming into Monday. A homer and a couple stolen bases, only 23% owned. And Mr. Harrison Bader was two for five, couple RBIs, four game hitting streak with four RBIs in that time, only 12% owned. What I'm asking you here is do Edmond or Bader cross the Van Meter O meter to own? <laughs> and does Josh Van Meter cross the ownage meter? I mean, Van Meter is the one I want most. Uh, I just wrote about Jose Ramirez replacements yesterday. I put him in there as a possibility. He was in the top 10 sleeper hitters for this week. Uh, he does have a problem against lefties. He tends to sit a lot against them, but the Reds have enough players down that, that they seem to be letting him play even more Van Meter. So good on base skills and at least decent power. I, I think he's usable. Uh, and he was and, one for four, two runs with a walk on, uh, and when the the hit was a triple, by the way, yeah. on Monday, just for FYI for everybody. And I think it's more upside than either of these other two. Edmund is is not much of a hitter, but he's between majors and minors this year. He's eighteen for nineteen in stolen bases, which isn't nothing. I mean, nine of them have come at the major league level, but you know, it it isn't nothing. But it's it's you know, unless you're Going with like a like a Gerard Dyson or a Delino De Shields, like you're not going to make up ground in steals with the guy. Like it, it's it's too sparse and they're too scattered and it's not a big enough number to really know that it's going to make a difference for you in that category. You know, yeah. Like it's one of it's one of the better paces in baseball, but it's still not that impactful. This is a who for you. Who are you? Seth Brown, 27-year-old first baseman who actually played the outfield for the Oakland A's was called up in the minors. He was hitting 297 with a 352 OBP, 37 homers in a row, eight stolen bases, 29 doubles. He started in right field. He was two for six in his debut. So Seth Brown, or how about Mike Ford Tough? Only 1% owned in CBS Double-donged, eight homers now, second straight night with a homer, uh, third, well, actually, now it would be the fourth since August 21st. Mike Ford or Seth Brown, if you were just deep-dogging it? Man, I was just going to say, I'm surprised they continue to give Mike Ford starts, but yeah, two home runs tonight. I guess that's going to continue. I'd rather them not come at the expense of Talkman, which seems to happen sometimes, but... Uh, Seth Brown, I think, is pretty interesting. I don't know what his playing time looks like. At AAA this year, he hit 297 with 37 home runs and 986 OPS. Mm. If you know, he's one of the top two or three in all the minors in home runs, and he's had a 30 homer season previously. So it's not just a new ball 
at AAA phenomenon. I mean, the guy has power. Uh, 27, I mean, the, like if there's any organization that during a playoff push would give a guy like this regular opportunities, it's the A's. They That's have done point. this repeatedly. So I'm not rushing out to pick him up, but I'm keeping an eye on Seth Brown. And it's interesting, too, because they've got some guys in the system. I mean, they've got a guy like Sheldon Noisy, who's been just absolutely murdering balls, and he's a big power guy. But, you know, opportunity is where it is. And Seth Brown, Mike Ford, both doing some stuff hardly owned at all. The rotation. Well, not much to talk about with Sonny Gray, though. He was good. Six innings, two hits, two earned runs, five walks, though, and six strikeouts. How about this? He tied for most walks in a start this season for himself with five. So there's two five here. Walked 19 in his last five starts, yet only given up three earned runs in that time. That seems astonishing that you could walk 19 in your last five starts and you've only given up three earned runs. Yeah, it does. And it's a little concerning because command was part of Gray's problem with the Yankees last year. Pitch selection and command kind of worked in unison to bring him down. And uh, I, I, he's kind of bettered both both uh, sides of that equation this year. And it's led to really impressive numbers. Uh, so I... And look, there's a difference between walks and command and maybe the fact that he's getting so many uh, strikeouts suggests he's still commanding pretty well. But... I am discouraged to see the walks. Definitely would like those to go away. It's a lot. Uh, a couple other pitchers in the rotation. Joe Musgrove. Only We talked a lot about him last week. 70% owned, went six, gave up five hits, two earned run, no walk, six strikeouts. Only his third quality start, though, in his last seven. Doesn't have a win since July, and his next start is at Colorado. So hard pass? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, hard he's pass. the most frustrating pitcher in fantasy right now. I didn't start him. This week for the two starts. I don't see how you could. Yeah. Well, it's especially not with the Colorado. I think the Colorado one enough was enough to say no thanks if you're in a weekly league. Homer Bailey, 51% owned, went five, gave up three earned runs, didn't walk any, but only struck out one. And his next start is in New York. And let me see if that, um, let me see if that updated, if he's got any other stats. But what about the New York start if you were putting Homer Bailey out there? Yay or not? Uh, nay. I don't trust. He's been better since Johnny the A's. They've all been better since Johnny the A's. Roarca, obviously, Fires has had his thing going on all year. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't buy it for any of them. Yeah, and he finished with a little updated here. He finished, went six, gave up three earned runs. Eight hits, three strikeouts, no walks. He did give up a homer. He went six. A.J. Puck, by the way, came in, went two, struck out two to follow up with Bailey as Bailey got his 12th win. But New York, again, that's kind of a nay on the horse front. How about a couple ugly starts here? Gio Gonzalez, who was 43% owned, went five, gave up nine hits, got rocked for seven, walked four, struck out five. Last start, though, went five. Uh, only gave up one earned run, but did walk another four and uh, struck out six. Next start against the Cubs. Thanks, but no thanks is where I would go with that <laughs> one. Brad yeah. Keller, 
Brad Keller got all the run last week, 79% owned. He got shellacked, went one and one third, three hits, five earned runs, walked three, got a strikeout, and the news before the game came out that he's only expected to make two to three more starts before being shut down. I believe he's at like 164 innings, now 165, mm-hmm. and they didn't want him to go past 150, uh, 180. So at best, yep. you got two more starts in him after that stinker. And I'm kicking myself because my big article, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. But I, I looked at the pitchers most likely to be to, to have innings concerns down the stretch. And for some reason, he slipped by me. But yeah, he's uh, he has a definitive one now. And beyond that, he's not going to throw 100 pitches. He's not going to be allowed to throw 100 pitches in any of the starts he has remaining. So are you uh, done? Are you out? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm trying to look if this will load here next start, mm, next start though, Baltimore. That's what we talked about last week. It was the yeah. Oakland Baltimore back and forth that we really liked, but yeah, that's true. Did I read Did I just reel you back in? <laughs> I in a daily league. I think you got to hold on to one more Baltimore start for a guy who's been mostly effective. I don't know if he was pouting over his innings limit in this one or what, but, but yeah, he's, he's been, he'd been pretty good of late. All right, uh, Jason Vargas, 47% owned, went six, gave up four, had four strikeouts with a walk. It's not a huge stinker, but four of his last eight, he's had quality starts, and he's got the Mets next. And then this one was interesting because as I was writing this, in the second inning, Hap with the Yankees was having what was building up to be a stinker because he'd given up three, two hits, a walk, and three strikeouts into the, I believe, at the bottom of the third. Or it was in the second inning. Though now he is up into the six. Let me pull this up here. He has gone five innings, struck out seven, but he's walked three and given up three earned runs. So where are you on? I I saw a lot of frustration on Twitter as well on Hap right now, whom is 78% owns. Ooh, so Keller or Hap? Yeah. Oh, definitely Keller. Hap is hapless. That's it? You can't you can't drop that and then nothing else. You got to keep going. That I don't have a drum sound effect. That was amazing. It was a great pun, and then you ended on the pun. Well, yeah. Okay. Got to end on a high note, right? I I couldn't do any better than that. All right. I, no, you know what? Fair enough. I do agree with you. How about some deep pitching? He's at it again. Tim Melville, only five percent <laughs> owned, but would you know he went five, gave up five hits, no one run, three walks, six strikeouts last game, which we talked to you guys about. Seven innings, two hits, one earned run, struck out four, but he's next at Coors. Well, this uh, was or, I'm sorry, Coors. He's, he's at Coors versus Pittsburgh. This was at Coors versus Atlanta. What the heck, Tim Melville? Can you do it? Can you, can you pull the trigger no. on a Tim Melville I, a start? 16 swinging strikes was, uh, I mean, you, you have to look a little deeper when somebody does something like that. He threw 62% sliders in this start, and it was a really high rate of sliders. Like I talked about Alex Young throwing primarily sliders, but that's like 25%. This guy's to Melville's just cranking sliders in there. And that's, I imagine it's a, it's a new look that hitters aren't used to, but uh, the minor league track record suggests there's nothing to get excited about here. And I'm still going to side with that, especially for a Rockies pitcher. He's one of the worst too, because this is, this is what gets people. And and I would caution everybody don't fall into the trap because here's what happened. He did the first one and everyone's like, 
click in view. They're like, hey, what's up with Melville? All right, all right. Next start, he does it again at cores. People are like, well, listen, I might have to get in on this. I don't want to miss out. Here's what I promise you. You're going to pick him up. You're going to put him in your lineup. He's going to go two, and he's going to give up nine. Don't yeah. do it to yourself. Everybody else is worth the shot, not Tim Melville. No offense, <laughs> of course, to Tim Melville. I've, I'm the guy who made a case for picking up Asher Wojciechowski and for picking up Mike Montgomery. And I'm saying don't do it with Tim Melville. So that says enough. What, what does that tell you? Yeah. Uh, over on the bullpen, the biggest note here, I think Rysel Iglesias, he came into a non-save situation. He did give up a run just for everybody to know nothing to go there. But this one was interesting. Manager Bud Black said on Monday that he's not ready to anoint a new closer. But he said that Jairo uh, Diaz and Carlos Estevez are going to get the save chances for the remainder of the season. Well, on Monday, Estevez came in the eighth inning, had a nice clean inning. Diaz, who's only 2% owned, was given a shot, and he blew it. He went one, gave up a hit, gave up an earned run, a walk, two strikeouts. He actually ended up getting the win, but you have to assume this is now going to go to Estevez uh, for the Rockies moving forward, right? Whatever that means. I don't know. It wasn't that bad of a blown save. I think it's going to be a committee... You know, basically those two. Well, then who do you pick be. up then? Are you picking up Diaz or Estevez? Because I'm picking, I put a waiver claim oh, in on Estevez. Estevez. Okay. I mean, yeah. And Diaz is a lefty, right? Um, a lefty, correct. I so. Yeah. We should double check that because I don't think, I think you just agreed with me because you didn't know either. No, that's not the case at all. Scott. <laughs> okay, who do you take? Me? Who, who do you He's take? He's a righty, so I'm glad I looked it up. Uh, okay, anyway, yeah, no, I would definitely pick up Estevez if I had to pick up one of them, and I, I understand sometimes, you know, leagues of a certain depth, you got to get saves wherever you can. I'd pick up Matt McGill over either of these two because it just seems like a clearer scenario there for the Mariners after he got three saves last week. He's only like 10% owned, Matt McGill. All right. I like that's a good one uh, for all your bullpen needs. Now, we are leaving you as games are still going on, of course. Uh, Dustin May, I just want to see where Dustin May before we leave, if he has gotten out of the game. Still going strong, five innings, 67 pitches in five innings, and uh, two strikeouts, a walk, and an earned run. I'm very encouraged. Boy, do I wish Roberts would let him go beyond that one start, but probably still not the case. If he did, though... I would be all in on Dustin May rest of season. But you know what you guys could maybe put your hopes to? Maybe a Jesus Lazardo pickup in September. If you got your one more Dustin May start, maybe you can turn it over to a guy like Lazardo. And what I would suggest to you is make sure you're tuned in later in the week, not just to the episode, but lock in as um as Scott's going to give you the five to stash. And there will probably be some pitchers as we get into the September 1st call-up. So we will lock you in with that. All right. That is all that we got for you here today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for putting up with me, of course. You can follow me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. You can get Scott over at CBS. Scott White, the company man that he is. And we will be back. I will actually will not be back tomorrow. It'll be Adam. So uh, Joyce and cheers around. But I'll be back here on Thursday. So until then, have a good one, everybody. Peace. <laughs>